It's funny how God works things out because we are doing two songs. Uh, we just sang How He Loves that starts with the line, He is jealous for me. And then unless God changes things, which he might, uh, after this sermon, we're going to uh, sing a song that has a line about, about God's jealousy for us. And, and it's just funny that... You never sing a worship song with uh, uh, the word jealous in it. And today we sing two worship songs with the word jealous in it because that's what we're going to be talking about today is, is jealousy. But maybe not jealousy like we normally think about it. In the book of Romans that we've been studying through, there's really two different kinds of jealousy that Paul talks about. The first kind is the kind that we normally always think of when you think jealousy. It's that bad kind of jealousy um, where it it's sort of eats, just eats away at you. You want what they have and you just do anything to get it. And, and, and that just desire within you, that covetousness, just sort of slowly eats away at you. And it comes from this Greek word that literally means to corrupt, to wither away to waste away, because that's what jealousies a lot of times will do to you, to just kind of suck your life and your soul away. Um, and it, and so it's, it's just interesting uh, that there's a second word that Paul uses for, for jealousy, and that one is a little bit different. That one means jealousy that provokes you to emulate somebody else. So there's, you know, there's different people, and I'm sure you've all been this way growing up, that, that there's somebody that you saw and it provoked you to emulate them. I know like when I was a kid, there was a rash of kids like jumping off things with towels wrapped around their necks because we all watch Superman, and every time you heard that Superman theme song, you had to jump off and try to fly off of something. Um, I mean, it was just it was just that you know da 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 da, da and you just jump off of things, um, you know. And when I was when I was little, you know, it was Superman and it was Luke Skywalker. I, I you know, everything, anything could become a lightsaber if it looked like a stick, um, and. And, you know, you, I wanted to be like Luke Skywalker. I wanted to have the adventures. I wanted to be brave like Luke Skywalker. I wanted to have a laser sword because who wouldn't want a laser sword? And, and then, you know, a few years later, uh, my mom and dad taped Top Gun on TV. And we, wa and we watched Top Gun. And there was, so from, for about, about, maybe about 10 years old to about 12 years old, there was nothing I wanted to be more than a naval aviator because, man, M Maverick was so cool. And, and not only was he cool, he got to fly fighter jets. And I would still love to fly just in a fighter jet. But I know people throw up, but I, I'd, be, I'd be willing to throw up to just be in a fighter jet. Um, and and I, I was reading about it this week. When Top, came, Top Gun came out, recruitment for the Navy went up 500% because everybody wanted to be a naval aviator. Everybody was provoked to emulating Maverick. And then they got into the, Marine, into the Navy and found out it wasn't like, 
it wasn't like it was in Top Gun, that not everybody got to be a naval aviator, it turns out. Um, when a, little, a few years after that, it was, it was Michael Jordan. I, I, just, I played basketball all the time because I wanted to be like Michael Jordan. And there was even a song that spoke my heart. Sometimes I dream that he is me. And if like Mike, I, if I could be like Mike, and it turns out I couldn't be like Mike because my growth stopped at right about five, seven, five, eight. Um, but I, I played basketball all the time and, and I just knew that I was gonna be in the NBA. If you ever see my signature, the reason that I, I crafted it to look that way was because I was sure I was gonna be autographing basketballs for little kids at one point. And, and I had to like, had a good like NBA signet. So it's just all of that. And as I've grown up there, you know, you, you have developing role models, different role models as you grow up now. Some of my role models are a little bit maybe weirder um, maybe not, but like I, I love um, Mr. Rogers and, and just his way of talking to people and being kind to people and loving people. The guy was a Christian, the guy was a pastor, but he felt called into ministry through television and he never ever on his show talked about Jesus, but every single person he ever talked to knew that Mr. Rogers cared about them and loved them. And it was just so, was, so I, you know, I just think, man, it'd be nice to be a little bit more like Mr. Rogers. Or I look at people like, um, you know, some people in, in ministry that have just really lived outside of the box and, and gone on to do crazy things where it's just like give up everything to follow Jesus type stuff. You know, and I look at, uh, I was watching a biography about Keith Green, who is a, a Christian music guy really before they really had Christian music, you know, contemporary Christian music, he was like the father of it. And, uh, but, but with all the money that he was making, he had bought a house, but then he bought the house next to that house so that as people came into the church or as he spoke, as he talked to homeless people, it would be like Acts 242 through 47. He just moved the people in and they had sort of houses next door and then they bought another house next door and, and then they bought a farm so they could build a big farmhouse so they could, could just invite people in to live and, and they could be like the church was in Acts and if somebody was homeless, then they said, hey, come stay with us and, and just stuff like that. Uh, Rich Mullins is another old Christian guy that, but, but he... Sold, it, sold everything, moved to a, an Indian reservation and just lived there to help teach the Indian children to read and, and educate them. Just stuff like that where it was like, man, these guys are just completely sold out. Uh, you know, Francis Chan, he moved every, sold everything, moved to his family to Hong Kong to minister to those people. Just stuff like that that is like, man, I, it's not that I'm jealous or that I want that, that I just, you know, and it eats away at me, but it's like, these are people that I look at and go, man, I'd kind of like to be like that. Like, I'd, I'd like to be a little bit more like them. And so that's the kind of jealousy that we're going to be talking about today. So we've been studying Romans 9 and 10. And this week we're going to be on chapter 11. And, and this chapter sort of finishes up this idea that Paul has been working through in 9, 10, and 11 about the, the Jewish community, the Jewish part of the church, and the fact that there's so many Jews that still haven't believed in Jesus and that he would do anything to have them put their faith 
in Jesus. His heart's just broken for these people and, and he would love for them to come to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to actually pick up in chapter 10 right after we were right where we left off, but then pretty quickly get into 11. But if you remember in chapter 10, he said, he said, how are they going to believe without hearing? And how are they going to hear unless somebody tells them? And, and so we need to be the ones with the feet that bring the good news. So this is not long after that, right after that, he picks up. This is Romans 10, starting at verse 17. He says, so faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. But I ask, have the people of Israel actually heard the message? Yes, they have. The message has gone throughout the earth to the words and, and the words to all the world. But I ask, did the people of Israel really understand Yes, they did, for even in the time of Moses, God said, I will rouse, here's the first instance of Paul using this, I will rouse your jealousy through people who are not even a nation. I will provoke you, there's the idea of provoking, I will provoke your anger through the foolish Gentiles. Again, Gentiles being anybody who's not Jewish. He says, and later in Isaiah spoke boldly for God, saying, I was found by people who were not looking for me, and I showed myself to those who were not asking for me, a.k.a. the Gentiles. But regarding Israel, God said, all day long, I opened my arms to them, but they were disobedient and rebellious. He says, I opened my arms to them, but they rejected me. He goes on in the first verse of chapter 11. I asked then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? Of course not. I myself am an, this is Paul saying this, I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. No, God has not rejected his own people, who he chose from the very beginning. He's saying God hasn't rejected them completely. I'm Jewish. He said some Jews have faith in Jesus. They haven't lost they haven't lost out on Jesus just because they're Jewish. So in verse 7, he says, so this is the situation. Most of the people of Israel have not found the favor of God they're looking for so earnestly. A few have, the ones God has chosen, but the hearts of the rest were hardened. He goes on in verse 11, and he says, did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Of course not. They were disobedient, so God made salvation available to the Gentiles. But he wanted his own people to become jealous, there it is again, and claim it for themselves. Now, if the Gentiles were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation, think how much greater a blessing the world will share when they finally accept it. I'm saying all this especially for you Gentiles. God has appointed me as the apostle to the Gentiles. I stress this, for I somehow want to make the people of Israel jealous of what you Gentiles have so that I might save some of them. He says, I want to make the, the Jewish people jealous or envious of you. 
I want to provoke, again, not in a bad way that eats away, but I, I want to provoke them to emulate and provoke them to take hold of what you have. So, so some of them might be saved. I want to provoke those people so that they see what you have and say, I need, I need that. I want to be like that. I want to be like them. So the question I ask you today is this. Do people who aren't saved, do people who haven't put their faith in Jesus see you and go, I want what they have? Do people who aren't saved see you and say, I don't know what makes their life that way, but they, they've got peace that I don't have. They've got stability. They've got a sense of purpose that I wish I had. How do I get that? So that people who aren't saved see you and go, man, like their life is a mess right now. Their life is just as crappy as mine. Their, their life is even tougher than mine. But, but they still have, they've got something. They've got this way about them, even though they're going through all that. They've got this peace in them, even though they're going through all that. They, they've got something. I wish I had that. Are you living your life so that people see you and, and, and they say, man, that person, she, she loves, she just loves people. She, like everyone. Like she loves just everybody. She's kind. She's respectful. She, she just loves people differently than I do. I wish I loved people like that. Or, 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 or the, so that people would say, man, like, I don't believe in God. I never put much into that kind of stuff. But with, when, when I'm with that guy, when I'm with him, it, it's, like, it's like something's different. Like, when I'm with him, it almost makes me believe that Jesus is real. Like, I don't know what it is, but I want what he has Do people see Christ in you to the point that they envy it? Do people see Jesus in you to the point that it provokes them to want Jesus for themselves? Do people hear you talking about your church family and, and, and your love for one another and the things that you see God doing in your life and, and, and the things that you've seen God doing in your friends' lives and, and your Christian brother and sister's lives and, and how God's changing you and God, how, what they see God doing to the point that they say, I want a part of that. I want to be a part of that. How do I, how do I sign up? What do I have to do? How do I get to be a part of that? And by the way, catch what I didn't say. I didn't say that they hear you talking about, oh, this is my, my pastor, he's so great, he does such a good sermon. I didn't say, 
then they hear you saying, oh man, the church that I go to, I just love the worship. It sounds just like it does on, on the CD and on the radio. It just sounds, the, the music is so good. Then they don't hear you saying, oh, this, how amazing the worship service is. Because see, those things, those will get people, maybe, depending on who they are and, and what church you go to, it maybe will get them to want to come to a church service. But those aren't the things that make Jesus attractive. You're not going to be telling him, oh, my pastor, he, he can preach, uh, you know, he's, he's just so good. All the music is so good. All the service is so good. You're not going to be telling people that and people are going to go, wow, I want a piece of Jesus. It's just not that's not, it's not a church service. It's not the things that happen in church services that attract people to Jesus. Maybe attract you to the church service, but it's not the things that attract people to Jesus. It's you. It's Christ in you. It's God's spirit being evident in you. And, and it's us as, as God's spirit, as Christ is in us together and and we are coming together and Christ is in me and in you and we're all coming together and being the church that that God talked about and being the church that you see in Acts in 242 through 47 and and then following in, in the rest of the book of Acts when they see that and Christ at work and the spirit at work in us it's that stuff that makes Jesus attractive it's that stuff that people go how do I get to be a part of that? But that means we have to be living that stuff out, out there. It means that we have to actually be living it out. Because people aren't attracted to religion. People are attracted to Jesus. Just read the Gospels. There's religious people running all over the place. And they're jealous, and it's the bad kind of jealousy. And they're jealous, why? Because people aren't attracted to them. They're attracted to Jesus. Because people aren't attracted to religion. They're attracted to the Son of God. It's not the religion in you that people are going to say, Gee, I wish I could give up my Sunday mornings. It's not the religion in you that people are going to say, man, you know what? I was going to sleep in, and then I was going to head over to Mills. I don't think they're doing it right now. Stupid COVID. They're... Oh, man, I'm going to sleep in, then I'm going to head me over to Millstone and do their breakfast buffet, and I'm going to eat me about like 18 of those omelets because, ooh, those are good. You know, it, but I, you know what? I'll give that up because, because that guy's religion makes me want to go to church. It's, but it's the Jesus in you that gets people to say, like, if that's what Jesus is like, I'll give up every Sunday morning for that. 
It's the Jesus in you that will get people to say, I'll give up Sunday morning and and I'll give up Sunday afternoon and Sunday evening and and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday for the rest of my life if I can have that thing that they've got. It's the fruit of the Spirit that they see in you. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control. It's those things that, will pe- that people will see that will provoke them to seek it out and find what you have. It's the love in you in 2020 that will provoke them to find out where to get that kind of love. It's the patience in you in 2020 that will get them to seek out where did you get that patience it's that peace in you in 2020 that pe- that's going to provoke people to say, like, I want some of that peace. Some of that kindness in you that will provoke people to say, where did you get that? Who is looking at your life right now and saying, I wish I had a life like that. Because if no one is, if no one is looking at your life and saying, I wish I had a life like that. If no one is seeing Jesus in your life, if no one is seeing the fruit of the Spirit displayed in your life, if no one is seeing those things in your life to the point that they're thinking, man, I wish I had that. Something's wrong. And let me just say, in watching Christians lately, in looking at comments and posts and in conversations that I've heard, not sure how many people that aren't saved are looking at Christians and going, man, I wish, I, like, I wish my life was like that. I, don't, I just don't know how many are out there going, man, that Christian life, that, I need to get a part of that because, man, that, that's different than what I see everywhere else. I wish, man, those people are my role models. I wish my life was like theirs. Actually, though, if you feel like, man, maybe I'm falling a little bit short there. I read uh, a couple of verses in my devotions last week uh, that maybe will help begin moving you in the right direction. Um, actually, sometimes for my, my devotions, sometimes I listen to it because sometimes... I just hear things I don't read because it's easy to skim over things. So sometimes I listen to it, sometimes I read it, sometimes I do it both at the same time. But, but I'll tell you right now that when I heard this verse, I stopped listening and I just had to stop and think about it for a little bit. And, and I'll tell you right now, I think this piece of scripture is God's word 
directly to some of you today. If, if you wonder if people are looking at you saying, man, I, I wish my life was like that. This next verse says, if you do this, people who aren't Christians will respect you and the way you live. So a good step. This is 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12. He says this, make it your goal. Set a goal, make a goal sheet, make, it, make this your goal. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not Christians will respect the way you live. He says, live a quiet life, one. Two, mind your own business. That, that used to be a saying that you heard a lot, and it's not one you hear too much anymore. Live a quiet life, mind your own business, and work with your hands. Basically, work hard, be productive. He says, if you do those, if you make those your goal, live a quiet life, mind your own business, be productive. He says, people who aren't Christians will respect you. They'll look at you and go, yeah, I can get behind that. As I was listening to it, live a quiet life, mind your own business, be productive. God stopped me in that second and his Holy Spirit asked me a question. Can you do those things and be on Facebook? Now, I, now I, I've, I, and, I, and I've prayed through this and wrestled through this, and I think the answer is, it's possible, but it, it's a big, it was a big check for me. Can you do those things? Can you live a quiet life, minding your own business, and be productive, and be on social media at the same time? You have to be very, 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 very intentional. Because, and, and since, ever since then, you know, I'll find myself on social media and, and, you know, and here's the thing with me. I don't post a whole lot just because I'm like, if I post it, somebody's gonna be upset. Like, you just can't win. So I'm just not gonna post anything. But, I, but, I, but I'm like, big into like Facebook creeping. I creep on all of you and I make sure you're all doing all right and, 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 and all that. But, but as I'm doing that, just lately, God's like just checked me and, and been like, are you minding your own business right now? It's like, oh yeah. Like we've created Facebook for the sole purpose of not minding our own business. That's why nobody says mind your own business anymore because we don't do that. Like we've, so... Oh, you know, there's, and there's been times where I'm, sometimes you just find yourself on Facebook, which is kind of scary. You just find yourself there. You're not real sure how you got there or why you got there, but you're just there. Um, and you're scrolling through stuff. And God is like, just check me a little bit. Like, hey, are you, are you being productive right now? Oh, yeah, I probably should be doing something. Live a quiet life. 
mind your own business, work hard, be productive. He says, if you do those things, people will respect you. We're facing all kinds of craziness in 2020 because people haven't made those things their goal. If just live a quiet life, mind your own business, something going on over there, that's not your thing. Live a quiet life, mind your own business, work hard, be productive. If you do those things, people who aren't Christian will respect you. And again, how often do people look at us and say, wow, I respect them. How often do people look at you and say, you know what, I respect that guy. I respect her. How often do people out there recognize something that could only be Jesus and it pushes them to want what we have? So Paul goes on in chapter 11 at verse 17. He says this, he's talking about the Israelites and the Jewish people. He says, some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel have been broken off. And you Gentiles who are branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God had promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. But you must not brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. You're just a branch. You're not the root. Well, you might say, those branches were broken off to make room for me. He says, yes. Those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. And you are there because you do believe. So don't think highly of yourself, but fear what could happen. For if God did not spare the original branches, he won't spare you either. The the Israelites had been broken off being religious but not truly believing in Jesus. They were saying, well, my family's the right family and I'm following all the right rules and I'm, I'm going to synagogue every Saturday. And I'm, you know, I'm doing all these things. But they've been broken off, he says, because they don't truly believe in Jesus. He said, now, now you Gentiles, some of you have been grafted in because you do. But let me ask all of you, how much of your life right now is routine and religion and how much of it is living and growing relationship with God right now, like today and this week? This week, how much of your Christianity has been routine and religion And how much of it has been in the spirit of God, living and growing and and developing your relationship with him. He says, don't think more highly of yourself than you should. 
Fear what could happen. You could turn, he's saying, you could turn into the Jewish people who just make it all religion and no relationship with Jesus, no faith. And he says, look, if God doesn't, didn't spare the original branches, he's not going to spare you. They were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. Do you believe in Jesus or do you believe in Christianity, the religion? Because Christianity, the religion, people will look at it and say, I don't, I don't need to be a part of that. Relationship, growing, changing, developing in the spirit uh, closer to Jesus, people will look at that and say, I want to be a part of that. If they're looking at you and they're seeing religion, but they're not seeing Jesus, you might be having some connection issues. Jesus said, John 15, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. He says in verse five, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire to be burned. What fruit are you currently seeing in your life? What results are you seeing in your life right now based solely out of your relationship with Jesus? Or maybe the bigger question is, what fruit is the world out there seeing in your life? We asked this question a few weeks ago. Has your heart become hard to the things of God? Because Paul said in Romans 11, 7, and 8, he said, and we read this a little bit ago, so this is the situation. Most of the people of Israel have not found the favor of God that they're looking for so earnestly. A few have, the ones God has chosen, but the hearts of the rest were hardened. As the scriptures say, God has put them into a deep sleep. To this day, he has shut their eyes so they do not see and closed their ears so they do not hear. You know, I see a lot of stubbornness in the world today. Maybe more stubbornness than ever before. I can't think of a time where I've seen more stubbornness about all kinds of things than I ever have in 2020. Does stubborn describe you? What are you being stubborn about right now? Because verse 7, he says, the, rest, the hearts of the rest were hardened. That, that God's 
punishment for sin and continually to just push God away, that the result of that is a hard heart. A hard heart was the confirmation of their own stubbornness. Stubborn to the point of being removed from the tree to make room for someone else, someone who would be fruitful. Maybe today you need to get a little jealous. Maybe today you need to get a little bit envious of people who have a a dynamic relationship with Jesus. Maybe today you need to, to get a little bit jealous of people whose hearts are soft and pliable and usable by God. Because for some of you, your stubbornness has benched you. It has gotten you out of the game and got you sitting on the bench. And you have people just sitting there like, no, I'm not going in. I'm, no, I'm not, I'm not doing it. And the more you do that, the more you say, I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not doing that, the, the more your heart will be hardened. And the more that your heart will be hardened, the more it is likely that you will be benched so that someone else will be grafted in, so that someone else will go and, and play. Because you're Stubbornness has benched you, and God is about to put someone else in the game who will actually play it. Because that's what happened with the Jews, is they were like, no, this Jesus thing, we're not having that. We have to do it our way. We have to do it this way. This is the way we've always done it. This is, this is what we're going to do. We're not going to, we're not gonna put our faith in Jesus. And God said, that's fine. If you're gonna be stubborn like that, I will, I'll make your hearts hard and we'll take you out of the game. We'll take you out of this tree and we'll graft in somebody who will grow. Maybe some of you today need to have something provoked in you so that you say, you know what? I've got to grow. I've got to have that in me. I've, those things that I'm reading in my Bible, I've got to have that in me because I need something growing again. I need to follow Jesus deeper again. I need to be somebody whose life is on fire with, with God's spirit again. And something needs provoked in you because if not, your stubbornness that you've developed, the hardness that you've developed over this year and over the years is going to be the thing that keeps you from growing in Jesus. In 1 Peter 2, 8 and 9, Peter says they stumble because they don't obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. He says, but you aren't like that. He says, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. He says, you can show others the goodness of God. They can see the goodness of God in you. Don't be like the people who don't obey God's word, that, that stumble over it. Don't be like the people that are all religion and, all, and, and just sit on the bench. 
He says, no. He says, be people that are filled with the Spirit. Be people that are grafted in to the vine, to Jesus. Be those people. He says, you're not like those others. You're a holy priesthood taking and, and bringing and being the connection between God and people in the world. You're a holy nation. You're God's possession. As a result, you can show them, others, the goodness of God. It is time for you to be different. It is time for you to show them something different. It is time, church, for us to show them something better. It is time to show them something good, something worthy of respect, something that is so good and so great and so wonderful, something so powerful, something so life-giving, something so good that it could only be Jesus. Something so good that they'll say, that's what I want. Whatever it costs, whatever it takes, whatever I have to do, because I have to have that. And, and you know what? Jesus is that good. Jesus is that good. Maybe you've forgotten that, but, but Jesus is that good. So show it. Make them jealous of it. Make them envy it. Make, provoke them to say, whatever it takes, I got to get what you have. Provoke somebody this week. Show them something worth following. Because Peter says, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So let's light it up for Jesus' name and in Jesus' name. Amen.